Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Sheree Sims. I'm going to go ahead and start with the peak and pit of my day. The peak of my day is that I remembered today was Wednesday, which is the day that I record my podcast episodes. Uh, The pit of my day, which is not really today, it's last Wednesday, which is when I forgot that it was Wednesday and missed recording my episode because I thought it was Tuesday. And I'm going to blame ADD because if I do not have everything in order and everything written out, and if I don't do calendar with the children every single day, I literally will not know what day of the week it is. Not the date, but the actual day of the week. Everything to me, especially because I homeschool my children, everything just feels like day. Like there is no Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's just day. Every day is just day, which, yes, can feel long and overwhelming and exhausting, but that's what it is for me. So let's jump into it. I got a couple of questions and I'm going to respond to those today. And if you all have any questions for me, please send me questions. You're welcome to send questions to my DMs on Instagram at Sheree Sims, or we have a form that you can fill out where you can send in any questions that you have, and I will do my best to get around to answer them. So please send in your questions. Community builds everything, and you all can help me build this podcast. So the first question that I have for today comes from a mama on Instagram who asked me, My four-year-old twin boys will lick each other's tongues and giggle. I've tried not to make a huge deal about it, but just redirect. Their dad flipped out and they got on timeout at daycare for it. We only watch kids shows and their dad and I haven't been together for most of their lives, so they don't see kissing at home. I'm not sure why they do this. One of them will also pull down his shorts and slap his butt while dancing or even sometimes poke his penis out. Yes, poke his penis out of the top of his shorts and laugh, which I laugh too just reading about it. How do I correct this behavior? All right, y'all. I hope you laugh too because it's a funny question and I'm sure we all have these crazy questions that we ask about our children doing ridiculous things that we're like, why would you do that? In fact, my daughter was doing something the other day. I don't even remember what it was because it was one of the millions of things that children do where we're like, why are you doing that? Why would you do that? And I think I'm going to write a book called Why Would You Do That? Now that thought is only a thought. It's going to stay there. I'm not actually going to write a book. So don't ask me where it was, where it is. I told you I have ADD. um, So that's just an idea. But This is definitely one of those questions where we're like, why would you do that? And I'm sorry to say, I don't fully have the answer for you. (laughs) I have a few answers I can come up with. Now, I want you all to feel like this is a safe space and that you can send your questions. And I'm going to answer them with love and understanding because I do understand that our children do crazy things. But I also want to say that as parents, I think sometimes we really overthink this whole gentle parenting, conscious parenting thing where our children kind of do these off the wall things that are you know, semi-inappropriate and definitely not socially acceptable behavior. And we fret so much about showing up as the gentle parent that we almost like freeze and don't know how to respond at all. So I will say that with this situation, like it's nasty. Y'all, it's nasty. You can't lick each other's tongues. I don't care if you're twins or not. I have twins and I'm not going to let them lick each other's tongues. But sometimes with this, like, I'm not going to yell at them. I'm not going to scold them. But I wouldn't just redirect them. I don't even know how you redirect that. Like, would you, oh, here's a puzzle to play with instead. No, I would address it. If they're licking each other's tongues and playing together in that way, I would address it. And I would go through the whole, 
you know, we don't want to share germs, even though we share DNA, you still don't share germs in that way, especially with COVID right now and the rise of COVID. It's like, if you don't put things in your mouth, you also don't put other people's tongues in your mouth, whether they're your family or not. Like if it's a child, I don't think anybody in their life right now should be putting their tongue in their mouth, right? We can all agree that's like a boundary, a foundational standard rule. Tongues don't go in children's mouths. So I would address that, right? I would actually stop them and address that and say, we don't put tongues in each other's mouths. That's not safe. It's not healthy. We're sharing germs. We don't want to do that. Um, And I'd also draw boundaries. Like if we can't keep our tongues inside our mouths, we're going to have to play separately for a while. Like I would try to figure out a way to let them know that this is really not something we do. Also with the pulling down of pants, Again, we don't take off our clothes when we're at school. If you're at home, we can take off our clothes. You can be comfortable. But I would have the conversation about our bodies, right? And call it a penis. A lot of us like hesitate to call our body parts what it is, but you can definitely teach our children about their body parts, teach them about the penis, about the vagina. It's not a word that's going to send anyone to hell, right? These are just body parts. Teach them about it because it does keep them safe. If someone else is touching them or showing them their their penis or their vagina, you want your child to be able to come home and actually use those words and tell you exactly what's happening and not be fooled into thinking like, oh, that's your flower. And then they come home saying, someone showed me a flower today and you don't know what they're talking about. You want them to have the vocabulary and the language that keeps them safe. So just have that conversation with them about where it's appropriate to be naked where it's needed to keep our clothes on, who are the people that can see us naked in what environments. And by that, I mean, with my own children, we're a pretty naked and free house. Um, If you pop up and ever unexpectedly give me five minutes, because I'm sure somebody, maybe even myself, needs to go put clothes on. But we are pretty free at our house. And we're pretty good at keeping our clothes on in public. (laughs) And that's just what we've learned. That's what we teach. That's what we do. But I do think that sometimes children do these things really because they're interested in the reaction. So remember that our children are learning a wealth of things at the at these ages. Yes, we know they're learning their ABCs. Yes, we know they're learning their one, two, threes and their shapes and their colors. But they're also learning about social interactions. And they're also learning about emotions and all of that stuff. So sometimes our children will do something that is kind of off the wall and they will most likely get a reaction from us or someone around them that is a new reaction. Like we can imagine that if your child took their penis out at school, (laughs) they probably got a reaction from their teacher that they never got before. And I don't mean a dramatic yelling reaction. Maybe it was just a facial expression or the look of shock as to, you know, why did he just do that? And I got to fix this right now. So sometimes they get these new reactions and they're kind of trying to figure out what it is. It's the same thing. Sometimes I hear parents say, my child just walks up to me and slaps me in the face. Why do they do that? They're not mad. They're just slapping me in the face. Most likely they are exploring and they see a certain expression and it amuses them. Like our children 
they're weird, y'all. Sometimes they're weird and sometimes they're learning. They're always learning. So during these times, like just narrate and explain every thought that you have. Not every thought. Some thoughts should be kept to yourself. I take that back. But narrate to them the healthy thoughts that you have. Take a moment if you need to process your own thoughts and your reactions and just let them know, like, did you see my face? Was that funny to you? Was that amusing? And you can ask them questions. Why do you like taking your pants down? Is that funny? Do you, do you see people laughing when that happens? What are other ways that we can be funny? Because we want to make sure that we keep our clothes on when we're outside of the house. This keeps our body safe. We have to protect our body. We have, you know, there are certain places you can go into the whole the doctors can see you naked, your parents can see you naked, the doctors can see you naked when your parents are there. You always want to add that. I always love and appreciate my doctors for always telling my children the same thing, right? We don't take off our clothes in the doctor's office unless your mother mother or father are here with you. Um, So just have those conversations with them. But anytime your child kind of does something off the wall, just get curious. Like you don't have to only redirect. You can get curious and kind of ask them questions to find out what about that behavior and about that action is amusing to them or interesting to them or playful to them? What are they getting out of it? What are they trying to do? Um, And then you can, you know, explain to them where they can and where they cannot do those things. So that's how I would answer that question to the best of my ability. So good luck with that. I hope your child keeps his pants on at school. (laughs) Uh, So our second question comes in from another friend on Instagram, and they asked, when is the appropriate time to talk about strangers and boundaries? I want my future kids to be aware that not all adults are trustworthy, since there are people who abuse children of all ages. When do you think is an ideal time to have that first talk? First of all, I absolutely love this question for so many reasons. I think it's great to talk about strangers and boundaries. I also love that this came from someone who's not even a parent yet. So kudos to you, applauses to you. If I had an applause soundtrack, I would throw that in there right now. I think it's so awesome when we have people who know they want to be parents one day and are kind of planning and prepping for that and learning before the child gets here. Definitely makes parenting more easy. So props to you. And great question. When do we introduce talks about strangers and boundaries. So this, I would say, actually starts very early on. And by that, I mean not necessarily the talk about strangers, but when it comes to boundaries, and if you remember in one of our other episodes, we talked about needs that children have, and that as they get older, especially around age two, one of their needs is for body autonomy and independence. And a lot of times we have these questions of when I go to a holiday gathering, you know, do I force my child to hug a distant relative that they may not be very acquainted with? How do I stop my child from being rude when people speak to them and they don't want to speak back? All of these things uh, go towards boundaries and teaching our children to trust themselves, trust their intuition and stay safe. So this is one of the reasons why I personally and many others will teach and tell you to not force certain interactions between your children and other people, even people that you love, even yourself. Me, for instance, with my children, since they were babies, I would say, can I kiss you? And then I would give them a kiss. If they were infants and they were too little to respond, I would just make sure to use the language before giving them a kiss. 
I would do it all the time from the moment I brought them home from the hospital. I would say, can I pick you up? And I would pick them up. Can I give you a kiss? And then I would give them a kiss. Ooh, I just want to give you a squeezy hug. Can I give you a squeezy hug? And then I would hug them. As they got older and they were able to tell me yes or no, I would wait for the answer. So right now my youngest are four, but even when they were two years old, if they would do something or I just wanted to give them a hug, I would say, I love you so much. Can I give you a hug right now? And then they would say yes and come give me a hug. Or they would say no. And I would respect that and say, okay, well, I love you very much. And if you want that hug, I'm here waiting to give you that hug. Same thing with relatives. When you're visiting people, when you have these holiday functions and you know, I know everybody has that aunt or uncle that's like, come here and give me a hug. Oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to give you kisses. And your child is saying no. They might be screaming no. They might be running away. (laughs) As the parent, it is okay to step in and say, they'll give you the hug when they're ready, but I know she's happy to be here or however you want to phrase it. But not forcing your child to give any physical interactions with anybody that they're not comfortable with because this teaches them to listen to their body. And it teaches them to listen that anytime they feel uncomfortable in a situation, they can listen to that instinct, they can say no, they can get out of trouble, um, as opposed to teaching them to always question whether or not they're allowed to say no to someone who seems like a stranger to them. Now. Their uncle or grandparent may not be a stranger to us. We grew up with them, but they might only see them one, two, three times a year. So to them, it might feel like a stranger. And so it gets confusing sometimes when we have these signals about this person's a stranger and this person's family, this person's a friend, this person is my college roommate that you can call TT. There's no way for them to tell what is what. Everybody to them is a stranger until they're not, until they've taken that time to build a connection and build a relationship with them. So if they don't have a relationship with someone, or again, even if they have a strong relationship with them, teaching them to really have autonomy over their body, teaching them to know how to say no when people are asking for hugs or asking them to go with them somewhere or asking them to see something. It's a really important skill that you want to build in your children. So this whole prepping my child for strangers and safety with strangers, it really starts from the beginning on how we train them and teach them to feel comfortable with their body and who they share their body with, what they say yes and no to. And I love that my my youngest daughter, when she was three years old, we had this interaction where somebody wanted to give her a hug. She said, no, I don't want to hug you. And they kind of chased her down and was like, you're going to give me a hug. And that was one of my moments that I, as a parent, could have done better to like step in the way. But I felt like, oh, God, this is so awkward. This is someone close to me. How do I do this without offending them? And that feeling of guilt stuck with me for a long time, especially because when we got home, I believe it was the next day I was putting her to sleep and she looked at me and she was like, mommy, I didn't want that hug. And she was three years old. And I said, I know you didn't. You did such a great job letting them know that you didn't want that hug and they should have listened to your words. And she said, yeah, mommy. I think she said like, and you didn't protect my body. I think she said something like that. And it made me feel so awful. I was like, never again, ma'am. I will protect your body. You said no, they should have listened to you. And next time I will step in. Um, 
So yeah, that's just a little story to share with y'all about how you can feel. I understand that it feels awkward with family members. It feels awkward, but it's just a muscle that we have to build that we have to build because we were taught that it was wrong to tell someone you didn't want to hug. It was wrong to not speak to people if you didn't know them. We were taught these things. These are kind of the things that we have to unlearn and be able to teach our children differently so they can be comfortable, confident in these different situations that really keep them safe. The other thing I'll say when it comes to teaching our child about stranger danger uh, and boundaries is now in this realm, I kind of cheated because I introduced these things to my children when they were as young as one and two years old, but that was also because they went to my preschool. So these were things that I did in my school with my children every time we went on a field trip. So as a parent, I can't say that I did this in the home outside of school because everything for me was a little bit blended. But a lot of what I've done in school, I've taken home with me, even to the point where sometimes we have, quote, family meetings, unquote, and we'll kind of have our own family circle times at home where we go over these things. Um, And a lot of us read books to our children at night. A lot of us play with our children during the day. So these are always great times that you can introduce these themes and ideas. But in my preschool, I would sit the children down before we would go on field trips and we would talk about strangers. We would talk about who do you know, who's here that you go to for help. We would have them, you know, recognize and call out the teachers, any parent chaperones, identify the people that are there to watch over you, protect you, support you. We would ask questions like, if you have to go to the bathroom, who are the people that'll take you to the bathroom? Do we go off by ourselves? How do we stay close? What are things that we can say? And then we would introduce yelling things like stranger danger. And I would say that I would say sometimes if you don't know someone and they're trying to take you, you have to say stranger danger. And we would kind of turn it into a game and see who could yell stranger danger the loudest. And this is something that we literally went over and practiced every single Friday before we went on a field trip. This is not a one and done lesson. It's something that you want to go over with them routinely so that they always know it. They always understand it and they remember it before leaving to go to a park, Disneyland, wherever it is. The other thing I'll say is that when you get to a park or Disneyland, a theme park or a regular park or the pier, wherever it is that might be kind of a crowded place, there are a few things that I do to try to stay safe. One I always take a picture of my child from head to toe before leaving. This is in case I lose them and get separated from them. I have a picture that I can show people. This is what she looks like today. This is what she's wearing today so that people can immediately help me um, try to find them. If people around me have iPhones, I can airdrop the picture to people and say, help me find my baby, call my number, whatever it is. And when I actually posted about this and I had several people saying that the shoes are most important. Now, this is kind of a double-edged sword because the more that we learn about it, unfortunately, also predators may catch on, but it's good to know that usually the shoes are the last thing to be replaced if a child is taken. So the shoes are where you want to put your information. The shoes are the thing that you want to make sure you have a picture of. You have um, their shoe size in mind. You want to know what kind of shoe, what color it was, because these are things, God forbid, if you lose your child, they're going to help you find your child faster. Anyways, that is all kind of worst case scenario, what I do taking a picture of them. But what I do with them is as soon as we get there, 
Before we go into play, we again have kind of a Cliff Notes conversation about stranger danger, safety, not just with strangers, but also how we manage our bodies in the space that we're in. Um, And then we look around and we kind of turn it into a game and try to see who is there to help us. So finding park rangers that have on the hats and the badges and a name tag and telling them those things. You'll know the people that can help you because they have things like badges, name tags, IDs, uh, and then you show them what it looks like. Going to Disneyland, before you get into your trip at Disneyland, take a little walk around and play I Spy and find people there who are there to always help you. You can also show them, you know, a place that you can go or ask someone to bring you to a specific place where you can find them, you know, like a neutral place, all of these kind of preventative actions where if you guys get separated, here are the steps to get back to each other. Here are the steps for safety. Also, you want to teach your child your actual name, right? And this is something we do in preschool. And I think a lot of parents forget to do it at home, but you want to teach your child your real name, not mommy, but your first and last name and you want to teach them your phone number. And I have learned that the easiest way to teach our children our phone numbers is to add it to a song. So all of my children knew my phone number by the time they were like one and a half, maybe two years old, because I would put it to a song. And I learned this because again, with my, you know, the kids that I've worked with, I remember one day they were singing bingo. And these kids were like not even two years old. And they were like, B-I-N-G-O, B-I-N-G-O, B-I-N-G-O. And Bingo was his name. Oh, And it kind of just blew my mind. And I was like, oh, you guys are spelling. Like, that's so cool. You think you're just singing a song, but you're spelling. And so I started taking their names and putting it to a familiar song tune. And then I would take my phone number and put that to a familiar song tune. And within 20 minutes, they learned how to spell their name. They learned how to memorize my number or their parents' number. I remember my my song for them, which this is not my number anymore, y'all, so don't try to call me. But at the time, it was 310-663-3456. And that was actually a song from high school French classes, learning my adjectives. But anyways, I put my number to that song And literally within about 20 minutes, my children memorized my phone number. So this is always helpful because if they get separated, you have already shown them what adults they can trust and go to for help. They can go to that adult. They can ask that adult to help them. And they can give that adult your name and your phone number, which you have probably also written in their shoes or on a bracelet or on their shirt somewhere on their bodies so that other people can identify them and help them. So yeah, I think those are my safety tips with teaching your children about stranger danger safety, teaching them about boundaries. That's kind of an intro, but I think that's where it starts. I think that's good for now. And these conversations do not end when your children are like five, right? Or sometimes we look at our children and we think when they're small, they need all this coddling and repetition and reminders. And it's very obvious to us We know that if we have to ask them to put their shoes on 10 times, we're going to have to remind them about strangers 100 times. But do not forget that when your children start to turn 10, 11, 12 years old, they also still need these reminders. And now the conversation changes a little bit because it looks a little bit different. So 
My oldest children had gone to New York recently and I found myself having the same conversation with them, trying to teach them about safety in the airports, staying together. Who do you look for in the airport if you get separated from, they were with my mom at the time. Do you go with anyone at the airport if they say, come with me? Watch your backs. Like, (laughs) you know, my 12-year-old, she's 12 and I hate to open up these conversations, but I did have to talk to her about child trafficking because she actually is at the age where that starts to happen and the number one place it happens is in airports. So for me, that was an important conversation where I rather, quote, ruin her innocence, but have her be prepared and safe rather than dealing with the trauma and the guilt of something terrible having happened to her and me knowing that I had the thought, did not act on the thought and did not educate her. I will say, if you're not sure how to introduce the conversation, check out some books. There are some great books, children's books. There's a Bernstein Bears version of, uh, I think it's Bernstein Bears and Strangers. Um, That's a great book to read with your children. There's a Little Red Riding Hood version. It's Who's Bad and Who's Good, Little Red Riding Hood. It's by Steve Smallman. There is Say No and Go, Stranger Safety by Jill Urban Donahue, Say No and Go. And the last one I'll give you is Never Talk to Strangers by Irma Joyce. So these are all books that you can pick up on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, wherever you can read them with your child to open up that conversation. And children learn through play. So if ever you are on the floor playing with your children or getting ready for bed or whatever it is, you guys can be playing with dolls, Legos, whatever. Introduce a stranger into the game and see how they would respond or show them how you would respond. And these are different ways that we can open up these conversations to have these lessons with our children. So that's what I have for you today, folks. Uh, Your homework is to go get one of the books that I just talked about or a book of your choice. You can literally look up children's books about stranger danger, children's books about boundaries. You can Google it and find a wealth of books. So that's your homework. Look at one of those books, read them. And don't forget that if you have any other questions, please send them to me either on Instagram or on our Google form right here on this podcast. So that's all, folks. I hope you have a wonderful start to the week and I will talk to you all next week. Peace, everybody. Parenting for the Culture is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Our senior producer is Crystal Hill. Art is by Koi Madison. Parenting for the Culture is a Black Love Podcast Network production. Thank you.